today it's needs and wants. We all have needs and we all have wants. Sometimes we're too needy, sometimes we're too wanty. And it's good to remind ourselves that God understands our needs and wants, but He is always trying to help us to be less needy and less wanty. In Jesus' Name, Amen. So the first week we looked at, look at the birds of the air, look at the lilies of the fields. And God says, I take care of all of them. I can take care of you. We use finances to make ourselves beauty, beautiful. We make we use finances to, to make ourselves secure. And God's saying, I can do better money when it comes to your security. I can do better than, with your beauty than spending money on certain products. And it's not anti-beauty, anti-security or anti-insurance. It's just God's reminding His children, I can help you with any need, any want. And we got to go to Him with our needs and wants, not go to sometimes things that don't always fulfill or satisfy. The second week, we looked at the great, great father, the good father, and his response to the needy son and the wanty son. Imagine having two kids and both one's needy, the other one's wanty. We talked about how the, the wanty son took the father's wealth and used it for his own pleasure. It's horrible when we use someone just to get what we want. It's not a good thing. Uh, it's not good if we, in the 21st century, as followers of Christ, just use the church to get what we want. It's ugly. It's horrible. It's unpleasant. It definitely is not an aroma to Jesus in a good way. We've got to look at ourselves sometimes and ask ourselves the tough questions. You know, am I just using? I want the community. I just don't want the church. I want the sex. I just don't want the commitment. I want the success, but I don't want the, the hard work. Or, you know, I, I want what you've got, but you can't have what I got. That's pretty much where we're up to today. We're exhausting ourselves through all the platforms we've created in the last 10 years with needs and wants in relationships. Online dating is creating billions of euros or dollars for certain individuals and certain groups of people. And yet we're now exhausted through scrolling through the profiles and all that comes with that platform. Is it wrong? Is it right? It's not really a moral question. It's a simple reality of needs and wants, but we're still exhausted by trying to fulfill a need in our lives. I don't want to be on my own. I'm not good with me being on my own. We think that we can solve it with multiple partners, multiple places, multiple people. We can't solve the problems that only God can really solve. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying if that's where we're going, to get needs met, don't be surprised that it causes more pain, more hurt, and puts you in more cloud. It does work sometimes. It can work sometimes. But again, rare. It's not the normal consensus. And again, exhausting ourselves. And these platforms are moving into new entities or they come into new. They evolve into different things. Now it's uh, situationships. It's not a relationship. It's not something that's going anywhere. It doesn't have to go anywhere. I don't even know if we're going to go out today. Are we going to get married in two years or a year? It doesn't have to mean anything. It's just now. It just meets my need now. And then we wonder why we're still more needy, more wanted, because it doesn't solve anything. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking out the general picture of our human story. But with God's people, we've been given something when it comes to our needs and wants. And so I don't know if we can learn from the younger brother or we can learn from the elder brother, but the, end of the brother we should be listening to is the true brother that sticks closer to the brother, and that is our true friend Jesus. Amen? He's the one that left the Father and came looking for us. 
You know, when you're lost, you don't sometimes realize you're lost. And that's why we have to understand the power of preaching the gospel because the gospel, the good news, is what helps us to realize it causes tension, yeah, but it also helps people to come home. I, at the age of 23, did not grow up in church. I heard the gospel and I responded. Sometimes people react, but I responded. And I believe that we got to understand. So today's message is called, Look at the Community and Look at the Spirit. God can meet needs within our lives and wants within our lives through the community of faith and through the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to read two verses to you. One is in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 37. Are you ready? You ready? All the believers were united in their thinking and in what they, in what they, unity in thinking, unity in heart, unity in spirit, unity in desire. The, the believers were united in their thinking and in what they wanted. Do you think they just got there because they were lucky? The fruit of their unity was the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that unites the church. It's the Holy Spirit that gets all this diversity to go in the same direction. It's the beauty of the Holy Spirit in you, in me, through you, through me. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the diverse church going in the same direction. It's the Holy Spirit. Would you let the Holy Spirit in? Would you let the Holy Spirit work in you? Would you welcome the Holy Spirit? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Then let the Holy Spirit work. It's just the power of the church. The believers were united in their thinking and their wanting and they had a desire and a willingness to share everything they had. With great power, the apostles were making it known to everyone that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead and great grace was upon them all. There was no need amongst them that could not be met. From time to time, people who owned land and property would sell them and give to the apostles so that anyone who was needy could be helped. One of the believers was named Joseph. The apostles called him Barnabas, which means one who encourages others. He was a Levite born on the island of Cyprus. Joseph wanted to sell some of the land he owned, so he did and gave the proceeds to the apostles. So here you see God's community, God's church, starting in the early days, forming and getting together, going from weakness to strength. And what's bringing this healthy want in them to sell something or provide something or contribute is the work of the Spirit. They didn't just do it because they're high in altruism and a personality test said you should be a high giver, a big giver. It's got nothing to do with just human strength or human personality. This was as much to do with the work of the Spirit through all the diversity. People who were not natural givers became givers. People who usually held on started becoming generous. People who said, hey, you're not like that and now you are like that. It's the work of Jesus. I can't change anyone. You can't change anyone. But Jesus always changes us or He at least endeavours to change us through His consistency in loving us. So we see a church dealing with needs and wants very differently than the way our world and society operates. Our world, take, take, take. I'm needy and so I'm going to take it. I'm going to do that. I'm wanting and so I'm just going to ride over you. 
And we've got to realize that the church started happening, but there was need, but they decided to share, let go, get involved. Well, I can't give everything. I can give some. Not everyone sold land, but some did. Not everyone who sold the land gave all of the money. We see that in the next chapter. Don't read the next chapter if you find it a difficult. Well, in fact, let me say this. The next chapter is incredibly difficult because something happens in people coming to church. If you, if you want to know what I'm talking about, read it later. Amen. And if you have any questions, talk to Connie because there's some interesting things happen in chapter five. <laughs> but I'll just leave that for your reading later on. Amen. But the point I'm making is, is that there was needs, but they had a way of meeting them. It wasn't just food needs, financial needs. It could have been everything, clothing, it could have been housing, but there would have been emotional needs. People did lose husbands. People were unmarried. People had uh, situations with their children. Um, there's lots of things. So we can see that the community is another way where God is able to meet our needs. You've got to respect what you're a part of. You can't just, you know, oh, I get nothing out of church. Or do you put anything into church? I don't get anything out of this relationship. Do you put anything into this relationship? I get nothing out of work. Do you put anything into work? It's always got to be, what are you putting in? And, and I think this is what we get from this. So I really think it's encouraging. It's a good question to ask yourself. And I've already highlighted this, but am I willing to make it better for us? You're still acknowledging you as an individual, but are you willing to be a part of something and realize that you can actually make it better? I think it's a good question and it really does confront us, but I think it helps us to be on the better side of who we're called to be. You see, needy people tend to ignore truth. When you're needy, even if you know the truth, you can quickly ignore it. We know this in our relationships. You meet someone, you know your friends can see it, but you can't because you're like, <gasps> but your friends aren't. And if they are, it's a fight on. I saw him first. No, you didn't. Listen, it's nothing wrong to be needy. It's how we meet our needs. But it's amazing how when we're needy, we tend to ignore the truth. It's amazing how when we're wanty, we tend to misuse the truth, twist the truth, half truth, some truths, a little truth, because we try to tell ourselves, this is what I want. And it just causes pain, hardship, puts clouds over us and doesn't help us and liberate us, the liberty that we've been given through Christ. And so I feel like we've got to at least consider how does God meet needs and wants in our lives? Look at the community of faith. Look at the Spirit working through all of these people. Well, let's move on a little bit. The Holy Spirit, I believe, can help us with all of these things. Because they were united in purpose, they wanted to help, not had to help. Wanted to serve, not had to serve. Wanted to get involved, not had to get involved. Wanted to share, not had to share, wanted to pray, wanted to give, not have to give. There's a beautiful freedom that came with the Spirit of God is working in me. Spirit of God is working in you. And that's what builds the strength into the church. So I've told you, it's not good morals alone. And it's not just high altruism in our lives. There are belief systems in the world that would say, well, just be altruistic and in other words, it's just simply be good towards other people, but it's, it's selective. We're good to certain people and not other people. Jesus taught us to be good to anyone and everyone. That's the whole tension of who's the good neighbor. 
Who is my neighbor? And we get understanding that the good neighbor is anyone and everyone. And uh, we get selective on who our neighbor is, but God doesn't. So here, here we go on a little bit more. It's not just, it's the work of the Spirit in our lives. And I really trust that you will understand. If we're going to have needs in our church, and if we're going to have wants in our church, how do we stop them becoming uh, dominant? Needy people in the church, wanty people in the church. And I've always said publicly, we've always tried to build a culture of friendship in our church. Why? Because if there's no friendship, then it's going to be high counseling. And me and Joyce, when we did our studies, our college, our biblical, our Bible study college went the course we fell asleep in the counseling course there's evidence someone took a photo Joyce was falling asleep on my shoulder and my head was against the wall in our counseling course and we did pass the exam but someone caught us sleeping I'm not saying we can't counsel that's not what I'm saying I'm being a little bit cheeky but what I'm trying to say to you is a high high friendship culture low counseling culture no, counsel, uh, no friendship culture or a little friendship culture, high counseling culture. What kind of church do you want to pastor, Mark? High friendship culture. But you see, going from a friendly church to a church of friends, you've got to let people in. And as diverse as we are, it's not going to happen over, overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to be purposeful. It's got to be the work of the Spirit more than anything else. But I pray you understand these things because the church has always somehow found a way to deal with needs and to deal with wants in a healthy way. I want to, not have to. And that's way more to do with the Holy Spirit than anything else. Let me give you one more story from Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to read a story of Peter who gets sent to reach Cornelius. This is again God using the community. It wasn't just Peter, it was others with him reaching out to those who were not like him. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit had to make that possible because it's easy for us to stay with our own. It's easy for us to stay within our subcultures, within our own cultural narrative culture or native cultures or whatever it is. But we have found ourselves coexisting. We have found ourselves actually cross-culture. We are finding ourselves integrating. We are finding ourselves actually in an urban center like Berlin serving God's purposes together, building the church. And so here, let's look at the story because it starts off like this. In the city of Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a Roman army officer in what was called the Italian unit. He was a religious man and he and all the others who lived in his house were worshipers of the true God. He always prayed to God and gave much of his money to help others and those in need. One afternoon, about three o'clock, Cornelius had a vision. He clearly saw an angel from God coming to him and saying, Cornelius, staring at the angel and feeling afraid, Cornelius said, what do you want, sir? The angel said to him, God has heard your prayers and has seen your gifts given to helping others and he has remembered you and all that you have done. Send some of your men now to the city of Joppa to get a man named Simon who's also called Peter. So the rest of this verse, you can read it for yourself. Acts chapter 10 is amazing. Peter is in Joppa. Tel Aviv today, and he is wanting to have some food. He's hungry, but he decides to pray. Sometimes it's good for us, even if we're hungry, to not eat and to turn it into an energy called prayer. And I feel our church is in that moment right now. Even me personally, am I willing to fast? Am I willing to let go of something that will just help me to be, again, just a little bit more fine-tuned, a little bit more sensitive to the work of the Spirit in my life, amen? Because I want to hear His voice. Well, this is what's happening. He had a want to get food, 
but he ended up praying. And in that prayer, God turns up. Don't you love it when you pray and then God turns up profoundly in a prayer? Well, in this prayer, he is hungry. And guess what God gives him a vision of? Animals. But these were mainly animals. It was a mixture of different animals, but a lot of these animals he couldn't eat because of his Jewish background. And so he's like wrestling with God. I can't eat that. That's unclean. That's un- I can't touch that. What are you doing? Is this a dream from heaven or is this the enemy trying to mess me up? I don't know. Is this God? Is this me or is this the devil? Sometimes you've got to work that out. What is God and what is the enemy? And, and the enemy doesn't create. He just begs, borrows and steals and lies at every opportunity. So you've got to know who you are with God when it comes to dreams and visions. But this particular vision, God was saying to Peter, I'm about to use you in a profound way. I need you to have a shift in your understanding of who I am and who you are in me. And he tells Peter, don't call unclean what I have pronounced clean because I'm about to send you to people that you think that I can't speak to, use or do anything with. I'm about to absolutely change your radar from here to here. And that's what happens sometimes when you take on prayer and you commit yourself to a prayer life and you push yourself out of your comfort zone. My me and my needs and my wants zones and my move into what God wants, what God needs. And some of us are not gonna see change until we move into what God wants, not what you want. What He wants is gonna shift you. What He needs is gonna move you. And if we will allow ourselves, you'll find the Holy Spirit all over your life. And that's a good thing. Why would you not want to go there, amen? As a follower of Christ, I absolutely wanna go there. And so Peter has an encounter with God. His whole mentality is messed with. And he realizes that God has pronounced what he thinks is unclean is now clean. So he comes out, he meets the three men who have arrived at Joppa and he listens to the story and he decides to go with him and his friends with these three guys. And let me read what happens. Verse 33, Acts chapter 10. After my encounter with the angel, Cornelius said, I sent for you immediately. I was very, it was very good of you to come here. Now we are all, now we are all here before God to hear everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Peter began to speak. I really understand now that God does not consider some people to be better than others. He accepts anyone who worships him and does it and does what is right. It is not important what nation they come from. God has spoken to the people of Israel. He sent them the good news that peace has come through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all people. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who were listening to him speak. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed at the Holy Spirit had been poured out as a gift also to people who were not Jews. They heard them speaking different languages and praising God. Then Peter said, what can anyone object to? How can anyone object to? How can anyone object to these people being baptized in water? They have received the Holy Spirit the same way we did. So Peter told them to baptize Cornelius, his relatives and all his friends in the name of Jesus Christ. Not the name of the church, not the name of the religion, not the name of an institution, but the glorious name of Jesus. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what changes everything. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days because they liked the vibe and the energy that was coming from him. 
Now that's my version. What I love about this is we need to get our heads around it. Again, not just listening to me on Sunday, but actually reading it for yourself. What God doing? What's He doing here? He is letting us know that He accepts all people. There's no one that's not, un, that's not acceptable. That doesn't mean everyone wants God. It's just that God is very clear on His position towards humanity. And it's interesting because we have a Jewish, an apostle, Peter, who's a rough diamond. He's not a scholar or politician or a theologian. He is a fisherman that is, you don't want to meet him in a bad night. You don't want to meet him in a dark alley. You don't want to meet him any time when he's in a bad mood. He is a, he is a, he is a, he's a, he's a man's man. He is a fisherman. He's a businessman. He is a rough diamond and God puts his hand all over him and starts to use him. But God knows that he's going to be limited in Peter's life or through his life if he doesn't have a shift in his understanding that God wants to also work with non-Jewish people. So Cornelius and his family, most people say there was hundreds of people in this room at the time because Cornelius had a big home. They say he was a big hearted man and he would include not just his family, but he had many friends, many people liked him. But the first thing I wanna highlight for you is first of all, his money, his giving and helping those in need got God's attention. There are people on the earth who are doing good and I believe heaven does pay attention. I don't believe doing good for humanity in any shape or form is ignored. It's just that it can't save him. It can't save you. It can't save us. His prayers somehow found themselves before God. So he's obviously intent in his prayers and he's not sure who he's praying to, but he has strength in it. He has a consistency in it. He's got a, a practice where he is praying regularly. He also has a desire to do good. So yeah, he is altruistic. He is absolutely involved in doing good, even though he's from the Italian unit in a foreign land with foreign people, different culture, different belief systems. He can use me in Berlin. He can use you in Berlin. He can take someone and put them around the earth and still use them. He's not limited. He's not limited by my lack of ability to learn a language. It's not a, an excuse. It's just that if I have weaknesses, he says, give them to me, I'll turn them into strengths. David was small, but Goliath was unmissable. I might be a small guy, but I got a big heart. I'll never back down from any giant. It's not Irish. It's just the spirit of faith that God puts in us. You can be big on the outside and tiny on the inside. And you can be small on the outside and huge on the inside. It's called a spirit of faith. And you don't get that from Rizzo chicken. You get that from the Word of God. Burgermeister can only help you to a certain degree. Chili fries will only make you more windy, not more needy. I had to do it, sorry. But listen to me, listen to me. Cornelius, his family, his friends were waiting. Listen to me. They were giving, they were serving. They were doing good things for the broken, for the needy, for the children, for the world, for the planet, for the ecosystems. They were giving everything they had to help do better for others. They were praying. They were earnest. They were moralistic. They were good people. They were doing the best they could. But at the end of the day, the one thing they couldn't do is they could not save themselves. Their money could not give them salvation. Their prayers could not save them. Their good works could not save them. Only Jesus could save them. And He sends Peter 
out of his comfort zone to reach people that God was wanting to show his faithfulness towards. And so it's a reminder for you and I. It's a reminder that there's lots of good things that people do, but you cannot ultimately save yourself by what you do. It's what God and it's what God does alone. It's Christ alone. Get right with Him first and then live from that freedom of helping others. It's tragic when followers of Christ don't want to do anything, don't want to go anywhere, and they make it all about themselves. They become the most miserablest people on earth because they're working against their own unique God identity. They're in conflict with their own soul and you're not happier. You're actually miserable to the point where you're exhausted. And then we just say, mental health. And I'm not doing that to mock because it's real at every level. But let's not self-sabotage ourselves. When God has worked so hard to save us, why would we work against our own heavenly Father? But I think this is an important moment for us to consider. He needed salvation and God was going to use the need of salvation by using people who were already in the community. We were all working together. It wasn't just Peter. It's not just man with the mic. It's all of us working together to reach out to those who maybe would never feel like they would be acceptable to God. So we're in Berlin. What are we going to do? Going to hide or are we going to run to God? Are we going to let God's needs become our needs? Are we going to let God's wants become our wants? Because that's how you manage your needs and wants. You've got to go, God, what do you need? What do you want? And if we'll just surrender our lives again to Him and say, you know what, whatever you need, whatever you want, count me in. Can God work with you? Can God work through you? Can God work through me? Can God work with me? Can God work with us? God chooses to work with the individual and He chooses to work through the collective, the church. So in this difficult season right now, no one is denying needs and wants. The challenge for all of us is, are we going to handle our needs with God's wisdom? Are we going to go to God with our wants? Because the Holy Spirit changes your wants and needs into something more redeeming and more helpful. Instead of it making about you, the Holy Spirit never makes it about you. It always makes it about what you're a part of. And that's why we need to welcome the Holy Spirit. It's the strength of the church. It's always been the strength of the church. It's the strength of our church. It's the present moment of our church. It's the future of our church. It's the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And we got to move from being needy, 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 wanty, wanty, wanty to God, what do you need? God, what do you want? Here I am. Here we are. I'm willing. I'm willing to move from me to us. And when that happens, you watch what God does. He'll take a diverse community, people from all walks of life, from different cultures and different languages. But we don't make it about ourselves. We don't stay in our own little comfort zone with our own little people group, with our own little language, with our own this or our own that. No, we step out of the boat. We step out of the comfort zone. Peter had to be used by God, but God had to work in him first through the Spirit so he could say, this is where I want to take you. Maybe there's things you haven't seen yet because you're not praying, you're not asking, you're not looking, you're not thinking. But if we would just stay surrendered to the Holy Spirit, Oh my goodness. Our 
needs and our wants would look very different.